Welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back, the podcast for people who want to get the absolute most out of owning a home. Your host is Anna Simone, who explains how your home can be healthy, sustainable, and provide long-term security for you and your family. Anna's guests include technology leaders and innovators in the housing industry who share the kind of knowledge you need to meet the market with confidence. Make informed decisions about home construction, renovation, energy scores, water conservation, wind, solar, geothermal power, and lots more. It's time for you to live in a home that pays you back. Now here's your host, Anna Simone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back. And anyone who's familiar with my book knows that I devoted a lot of content and material in my book to solar energy. So I have been very anxious to do a show on the topic of solar photovoltaic panels. And I shopped around and I was highly recommended to one guy who is really going to tell you a lot today about everything you need to do and think about if you're considering renewable energy options. So his name is Joshua Kekak. And he is a solar energy consultant representing Elite Energy Consulting. Now, Josh serves as an executive and was part of the startup team at the company that serves in 12 states in New England and various parts of the country. And I think behind his success is that he is also an entrepreneur who was experienced in many different areas of his business. And he tells me that he has overcome some significant obstacles to get where he is today. And I'm dying to hear what he has to share with us today. And I'm thrilled that you're here. Welcome, Josh. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate that introduction. That's uh, It's also very true. It's been a heck of a journey to get here. There's a there's a lot of backstory, you know. Um, I'm not sure what direction you would specifically like to go in right off the bat, but hey, man, I'm all ears. Let's do this. Well, I want to hear about your background, but okay. and also what inspired you to get into the world of solar energy. That is a story. Um, okay, so, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, growing up and such. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a family that was, uh, you know, working class and such. Uh, we never had a lot of money uh, growing up, just to, you know, be completely transparent with you. You know, we used to, my mother and I, we used to stand in line for, um, they weren't food stamps, but they were like uh, like school lunch, like discounted tickets in the morning and such. And, yeah. you know, growing up, there was a lot of issues about money in the household and things like that. And it was... Uh, always ingrained in me. My father is an incredible, incredible work ethic person. Um, his work ethic is like second to none. I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's wild to me. Uh, but growing up in that, you know, I, I really, for good, bad or indifferent, you know, I really used to think that if I, if I had enough uh, money, if it were, that it would solve a ton of problems for myself, yeah. for family, for, you know, whatever. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought I wanted to uh, be rich. And, you know, I figured it out much later in life that it wasn't about being rich. It was that I wanted to be free. I wanted to have a, a freedom in my life that most people don't obtain. And, you know, I, I got into understanding the value of my time as opposed to being paid based upon an hourly wage of what somebody else huh. dictated that yeah. I was worth. 
instead when i was young uh, my xbox 360 broke when i was i think about 17 or 18 and i went on the internet you know i, I learned how to fix it myself i fixed it and i was like man you know my buddy's broke too oh, i could probably help him so i did it and you know talking with him and such he was like you know you could probably uh make a couple bucks off doing this or, or something along those lines of how this kind of gets started and so i i made business cards about fixing the xbox 360 red ring of death which is you know basically when the solder connection breaks between the board and the gpu unit so huh. this is all going to lead to solar i promise um but basically <laughs> well the red ring is a clue <laughs> yeah 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 so so basically what ended up happening is i started fixing these and this developed into an area where i started to understand how much money could be made based upon being paid upon the value of which you provide as opposed to necessarily your hours right so right. i i had full-time jobs at the time and such but when i would work on people's xboxes i would charge 30 dollars to fix them and sometimes i'd be fixing four at a time within wow. you know two hours or so so i'd make 120 dollars as you know an 18 19 year old kid and Gee. you know it made a lot of sense to me because at that time if i made that money in two hours i was like well how can i scale this right and you know i was never somebody who would look at other people and what they have and be like oh you know i never hate on them never feel like you know they must have been born into it i'm just like somebody has that and and there's got to be a way to get there right so for me i basically developed this into a, a scaled business that i mean it's way longer than i could share on the show but I ended up selling custom gaming computers. I ended up uh, fixing PlayStations, computers, all this stuff. Gee. Okay, so why why don't we get started with like the first question? Yeah. Okay. And so, all right, when I wrote the book on living a home that pays you back, you know, a lot of people, you know, they heard the title and they thought, okay, what's the payback? So can you share a little bit of some examples of uh, the kind of conversations that you have with people when they're interested in solar energy and, you know, how you handle that question, you know, when am I going to get the payback on my investment? So you share that with us, uh, Josh. So it, it really varies a lot. And the problem is, is that it's not, it, it's, it's not a simple answer. So of course, I guess where you want to go with this is it really depends on everybody's financial situation. There is a slew of different ways to go solar. You have cash purchases where, in my opinion, at the end of the day, if you have the cash to purchase the system outright, that is the way that you're going to get the fastest return on your money. There's a lot of government backing. So right. you have government backing, and at least in the state of Connecticut, in several towns that we have here, you have something called rec credits, which help us well. And I'll, I'll get into those in a moment. But the way that going solar it's very important, and I cannot stress this enough, that you do heavy research on the company that you're gonna work with, and if possible, the rep that you're gonna work with. And the reason I wanna drive this home before getting into the programs is because of this. Solar is heavily government subsidized, but it is also the wild, wild west. And what I mean by that is it's an unregulated market. I don't care what anybody tries to tell you, there is not much oversight in the solar arena. And the reason that this is important, and I want to drive this home, you have good and bad companies. And in good companies, you still have knucklehead reps. You can write a solar deal here, 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 and, and anywhere to the ceiling. 
And if yeah. somebody can convince you that it's a good deal, you can end up in a situation where you're you're metaphorically paying eighty thousand dollars for a, a ninety five Honda Accord. Like you can end up in a situation it. that's yeah. not not good. So when you're doing your research, what's very important to to figure out is where is your taxable income at? So let's say that your taxable income is, you know, you're, you're breaking, you know, the six figure range or, or you're upwards somewhere along that. Right. And you have a, a tax encumbrance, meaning that you're going to pay taxes every single year. What ends up happening is that there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to push a PPA or a lease. Um, right. If, if you are being pushed a lease, when you have a taxable income, Unless you are getting some wildly low deal on that, I would highly recommend staying away from a lease because you forego all of the tax incentives that you would otherwise get. When you own a system, you get 30% of that system's value back your following year when you go to do your taxes. If indeed you... Well, oh, go ahead. Well, no, that's the Inflation Reduction Act. But I also know that with a lease, a PPA agreement... It can sometimes be an encumbrance if you're trying to sell your house. Yeah. So what you're talking about is no matter what, when you go to sell a house, you're going to have to cancel the agreement with the solar company. And the problem is, is that it depends what their bylaws are and the clauses, in they there, don't, right? They don't make it easy. Well, some of them actually do, but yep. some of them don't. So there's something called a UCC1 filing. And it, people in the solar industry probably get mad at me, but I'm I'm going to tell you straight: a yeah. UCC one filing is not to the letter of the law a a lien. It's a yeah. lien. It does everything yeah. a lien's going to do. And on a PPA or lease, you have a UCC one filing that's placed against the with the home. Mm -hmm. And this has to be lifted in order for you to sell that house. Well, the problem with certain companies, if you go with a one that's maybe not the best. Um, when the new home buyer comes in to purchase the home, there are certain stipulations you may have to meet to get that home to be able to to transfer it across. Granted, with with companies like ours or, or companies that are going to be you know trying to be reputable and and add value to your house, they're going to make this process simple. But there are times where I've seen in my career um, some companies that will they'll block you from selling that house unless you've satisfied. The remaining payments of of you know the the PPA or the lease or you've purchased out the right the system, but there are there are times where I've had personal clients with with our company or Trinity Solar, which is one of the companies I used to work at, where I had given them a PPA on their home and they sold the house and they were able to sell it for more money and then move into another home. Can you describe the very beginnings of the conversations that you have with customers about sizing? Like this is on an existing home where sure. they really can't do anything about, you know, building a house so that it faces the sun or gets. But so start. So why don't you walk our listeners through your typical, you know, sales call mm -hmm. about walking around the house, looking at the roof, looking at their electrical system, and then what happens next? What? So most of it, to be honest with you, is actually sitting down with the client and trying to right fit them for what exactly they need. So what we typically do when we go to a house, uh, any good rep is going to sit down and we want to know what's your main interest in solar? Like, what are you looking to accomplish? Do you want to save as much as possible? Are you looking to 
perhaps get paid to go solar, which is something I could get into, but you're going to want to sit down and we're going to want to get a good depiction for what your goals are. For example, do you want to live in this house the rest of your life? Or do you want to rent out this house? Because if you were to rent this house out, there's ways to write the solar deal that are going to be more advantageous for a for a renter to come into the home. And then mm. you can charge the difference and say utilities are included, but you can charge the difference between what the utilities would be as opposed to the solar system. So there's a lot to know. But if you're asking about right fitting, the way that it goes is this. We typically are going to take a look at a electric bill for you. Um, hopefully you've been in the house for more than a year. And you're going to look at the bar chart on that electric bill, and it's going to give us an idea, a starting place for how many yeah. kilowatt hours do you use on a yearly basis? So once the once we have the starting spot, like let's just pretend for a moment that you're using 10,000 kilowatt hours for the year. Cool. That's, that's the average across the country. Yep. Yep. So let's say it's 10,000. Well, next, I want to know a couple things. I want to know how many people live in the home, and I'll explain why in a moment. I want to know, are you looking to add anybody? Are you looking to bring in people? Are you ever going to move in your in-laws? Do you want to have more kids? Um, is the house fully electric? Are you looking to convert anything in the home? These questions are extremely important all along the lines of even, are you going to add an electric vehicle? Do you want to put a pool, a jacuzzi? What changes can you think? And then the last question, if the answer is no to all of that, the last question I want to know I want to know over the last year, did you live the way that you wanted to, or did you purposely conserve energy? Because if I just slap a 10,000 kilowatt production system on your home, that doesn't mean it's going to cover you for what you actually want to do. For all I know, you took uh, two months off and uh, mm. took a vacation to Tahiti last year. Hopefully that'd right. be great. Right. But, right. um, and you're not giving me a realistic depiction. So to, once I get that, let's say your actual uh, usage is really going to be more like 11,500. Well, from there, take some information from the client, just, you know, name and all this such. And we use what's called a, uh, it's called Aurora, which is a military grade, basically like a topographical software that's going to uh, be able to design a system on the home. And we teach our reps to actually be able to do that in the house. So we log in and we can go on and we can place the system what Aurora does is it gives you per square foot how much sun is going to be produced. So it lets us know what size system needs to be done. But we need to go outside your home. We need to take a look at your roof. We need to figure out if your roof is in good, bad condition. Um, we need to see if there's pipes in the way of putting solar panels up there. Um, is it a vaulted ceiling? Do we have access to the attic to see you know, how the rafters look and such? The electrical downstairs, typically our reps go downstairs, they take photos of that stuff. Um, a lot of this is going to get sent off to our structural engineers who we have in-house who are going to go through all these photos. They're going to take a look at everything. But let's say that we've designed the system and it's sitting on the home uh, in, in the software. If you like it and the numbers of which are being coming out the other side, if we sign off on everything, it's all preliminary. The next step is that you need to get a site survey technician out, which we would send out typically within a week. The site survey technician is going to physically get on that roof. They are a certified electrician who are going to check your electrical in the house. 
They're going to measure everything by hand, check all the rafters, spacing, uh, span, and everything to make sure that a solar system can be installed safely on your property and that everything in your house is up to code. So if you had your friend do some electrical install, which is <laughs> debatable, uh, you know, if the, the permit was pulled and such, you got to be really careful with that kind of stuff if you want to go solar because everything in the house has to check out. Um, right. But yeah, right, right fitting. If you're asking uh, size-wise, that's really what you're looking at. You need to go ah. through those questions and then calculate what those appliances or, or additions to the home, such as a jacuzzi, well, what top, what kind do you want to get? You know, then yeah. we have to figure out, you know, what what to uh, oversize that system for for yeah. you. Well, the way I feel about renewable energy, and it's like having an Energy Star house or, or a lead platinum house mm -hmm. or a zero carbon house or net zero house, it goes with the property. And it's the lifestyle of the people that live in that house that make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so if, um, you know, the carbon metric, the, the, the cradle to grave carbon metric that is used by lead in their zero carbon level service incorporates how many miles a week people drive their car yes it does and mm -hmm. i have and that i i'm like a dog with a bone when it comes to that topic yeah. i can tell you that right now because okay. i really believe that if you're going to have a zero carbon house that is like a shining gold star a feature of your house you sell your home and another person moves in it doesn't what if that person rides a bicycle or walks to work or doesn't work at all? Mm -hmm. You know, it's retired. And so to me, it's like mixing apples with oranges. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same when you're when you're installing any type of renewable energy feature, you know, whether it's solar photovoltaic panels or whether it's a hydroelectric system or, you know, a um, a turbine, you know, wind, wind energy. So no matter what it, what it is that you're installing, it is the personalities and the usage of your home. Mm -hmm. You're correct. So what you really have is net zero capability. And so if you're if you're specking a house and let's just say it's a twenty two hundred square foot cape mm -hmm. and it's in Connecticut or New York and it's gonna have typically year round five hours a day of sun on average. So are you having the kind of conversation with your customers about which side of the roof or the or the tilt of the roof which 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 gives people the optimum number of hours is it the direction that they're facing the sun the pitch of the roof i mean can you share some of the geometry specs with us yep. uh, on that aspect so believe it or not, there's actually a lot to unpack with what you're saying, because what you're referring to is the fact that if you put a system on a house, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to cover the future homeowners coming in. Right. Because for all you know, they're, they're setting up a Bitcoin farm downstairs to That's mine right. as much as they possibly can. Right. Yeah. So. So in terms of this, the highest producing homes out there, they're going to be southern facing roofs with. And I, I apologize, I would have to look up the exact degree pitch that's perfect, but I will tell you, if you have a southern facing roof, and in the state of Connecticut, there's an app, it's called um, Google Project Sunroof. 
Uh, well, oh. it's, it's a website. But if you go on Google and you type in Project Sunroof, you can put in the coordinates of your home. Oh, really? And it's going to give you a rough estimate. It's not perfect, but it's going to give you a rough estimate of the kind of sun hours that you're looking at. Now, the numbers are skewed, in my opinion, on the on that app. But the reason I bring this up, you can look your house up right now and you can take a look at what is a ballpark if my house is good candidates for solar or not. So let's talk about what that means. If you have a southern facing roof plane, especially if you've got like a, a ranch with nothing in the way and it's, you know, it's it's brilliantly lit up on Google Project Sunroof, you basically have a unicorn, right? You've got a place where you put a single panel on that house, it's gonna produce as much as four or five panels on a poor producing house. Let's really? say you've got a, an east-west facing roof. Well, east-west only gets the sun kind of for almost half of the day as the sun goes That's across. Right. But because yeah. the sun's going across the equator and we're in the northern hemisphere, the sun is going to be blasting southern facing roofs as soon as that sun coming up to, to when it sets. So the reason that's important is the way that the, the pricing gets factored in for somebody who goes solar is, in a way, how small can that system be to produce a crazy amount of energy? For example, there's two ways a system is, is um, measured. You have DC kilowatts or direct current, meaning the physical size of that system. Then you have AC kilowatts, which is what is what's actually being produced. Well, why this is important? Let's take the same example of the 10,000 kilowatt um, production that we need. Yeah. Okay. If, if you can produce that with a 6.8 or 7.1 kilowatt system, okay. well, you have a way smaller system, meaning your payments are super small, but the production's massive. When inadvertently, let's go the opposite way. Let's say you have a house shaded in trees and you need a, a 13 kilowatt system to produce 10,000, that means you're going backwards because you huh. want it to produce almost across the board. Like if it's a seven kilowatt, you want at least 7,000 kilowatt hours or above. But if it goes backwards, well, the system has to be massive for less electricity. So, you know, especially when it comes into the idea of like selling your home and is it is it worth it to get solar? If you're able to have a relatively smaller system to produce way more energy than is typically expected because the house is a unicorn for solar, you have a slam dunk on your house and you're going to pay an extremely low rate and your house is going to have massive resale value to the following person because especially if you go with ownership, you know the loan payment, even if you finance, could be 70% off of what you're typically paying to unite illuminating or eversource out here if you right. have a crazy enough producing situation yeah. provided you now, went with a good rep too but yeah <laughs> have you ever had any customers chop down their trees so that they could get rid of shade many we actually have um so in-house we have i i oversee some of the the roofing and solar division here in the state we also have tree work uh trenching we have had people overhaul their entire property to go solar because sometimes the benefits are really that high. Um, you know, th there's a, a fellow I know, he owns a, uh, a car place here. His electric bills are over $1,000 a month. His savings will be exorbitant over the course of, you know, the next 20, 25 years. But the thing is, if, if he can afford to purchase that system outright, 
on a house that's perfectly southern facing, your break even might be five years from now. You never have a bill again. Like yeah. as long as you could, you have enough roof space to produce what you need. So you know that's possible. Well, you know, in my book, I have a fifty-state directory of policies and incentives. Uh, you know, for both the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, while I was writing the book, of course, a lot of incentives changed. And over a three-year period in the United States, uh, our state legislative actions added up to about 1,500 changes or amendments in policies. It's a lot to keep up (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things that I thought is interesting, since I write about the topic of real estate, is that Every every state in America will come up with like a state law saying that condominiums cannot stop homeowners mm. from getting solar energy. However, they have a right to say you can't put them in the front or you can't put them on the side, etc. And then what most states do is they they allow their individual towns, cities, and municipalities to come up with their own solar setback requirements and solar rules and restrictions under the zoning. So I I have to share this with you because this made me laugh out loud. There, There are some places in the United States where the town zoning department decided that neighbors should be able to come up with a written agreement and decide among themselves whether or not the other one should be required to cut down a tree or should be restricted from having a building that that would be in the way of someone else's solar energy. <laughs> and I thought, this can't possibly be happening in New York. <laughs> I, mean, I yeah. There, I, there was there was so much ambiguity and it was such a vague statement, like to let people work it out among themselves. That that so seems idea, to work real great in society, you know? <laughs> They're doing a bang up job of that right now. <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, you know, when it comes comes to zoning, it has to be clear and cut. And so I think that, um, you know, there are people that they say fences make good neighbors, <laughs> but fences <laughs> can also make bad neighbors if one isn't, you know, painting the fence or something is happening and it's an, it's an, it's an encumbrance on their neighbor. So that's why we have setbacks in renewable energy and like the turbine. I'm not, if, if it's kind of obvious, I'm not thinking straight today because I have a head cold and I am, I think I'm affected by the ash that's floating oh, in the it's, air it's today. Intense. That's true. That's yeah, true. I've, had a, I've had a sticky throat all day. So anyway, in the wind turbine world, you know, for, for health and safety reasons, you just can't have a 12 or 18 foot turbine you know, close to the curb on your home. You know, it has to have a certain amount of setbacks. But there are homeowners associations that their concern is, a well, there's a couple of concerns. The obvious one is that the solar panels are not going to fit in with the aesthetics of our community and our beautiful decor. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that in a condominium or a townhouse, the owners actually don't own the roof. They, they I, may I own it, but they're not responsible for fixing the roof. So, so Joshua, tell us about 
for the our for our listeners who are living in a townhouse or a condo, what their chances are, what their um, challenges might be if they want to go solar. I hate to say it, but numerous. So I, in my career, I have tried to work with probably four four condominium complexes, and I have never installed in a condominium complex. Oh, really? And I like to think I'm pretty good at what I do. For the record, I've done about 400 homes at this point in my career. Oh, I've overseen wow. thousands. That's a lot. I I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so I will say, though, I did see one guy uh, actually get, I believe it was Orangewood, Orangewood West, I believe, is the condominium complex. I think he did 35 homes in there. Uh, over in the Ooh. Derby and Sonia area, I, I got to see where that's from. Nice. But, yeah. So let's let's chat now, are about these town. Are these townhouses? Um, I have a townhouse. Yeah. So I know it was a condominium complex. I know. I know they're owned. I just don't. I don't know if they were townhouses. I, I have to check. But here's the thing: when you get involved in that kinds of stuff, the HOA can be very difficult to work with because a lot of them only meet say once a month. And you have timelines in solar you have to adhere to. Like, let's say you went with financing. If you sign a contract and then it doesn't come up for some reason in the meeting of the HOA, then they push it back another month. That's that's a two-month-old contract. Well, the process of solar is not simple. You have interconnections, meaning you have to work with the utility. You have to work with the permitting uh, department at the town. Uh, There's a lot of moving parts. There's There's stocks of of the the paneling and the warehouses we have to order there's a lot and typically you're looking at in the best towns in the state of connecticut you're looking at around 60 days sometimes even faster like bristol i think we did an installation in like 29 days like that that's great that's super fast correct then you have certain other areas nearby where you live actually um where you could be looking at six months plus i mean it's it's hit or miss but for an hoa and for a condominium complex, you run into other nuances. Like, for example, the way that things are structured, they have to be cut vertically. All right. So you can't have a condominium where you live here and someone lives here because then the roof is split between two. You have to have a vertical, meaning that you own this roof space. This person owns this. But the issue is that the meters are oftentimes all grouped together somewhere on the facility on the outside. Well, if you have to run conduit, like let's say you're at unit B over here and you need to run conduit past the outside of unit A to get to the meters, unit A has to sign off that they're okay with that. So unit A Mm. has to okay your work that you're paying for. You know, I, I tried to work with somebody last year for almost nine months straight trying to get a, a system onto her roof and she wanted it extremely badly. They had an issue with the meter on the outside. The meter was a little tilted. One of the rods was running up. Well, the condominium complex refused to pay for it, regardless that it was actually an electrical hazard because on the inside, the wire was getting pinched and would eventually uh, spark. But the condominium complex didn't want to pay for it. We had a meter shortage due to the the supply chain issues that were going on. The cost of that work was going to be like $7,000 to replace the meter with the face and everything. When you go into an HOA or condominium complex, can it be done? The answer is yes, but there's a lot that stands in the way and you just have to understand you got to be patient with the process and it's, you know, a lot of other people have a say. Well, 
you know, typically it's going to be a townhouse because you've, you've got a three levels usually and you've, and you've got roof space over your head. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're working vertically. But the problem is one of the reasons why townhouses were built in the first place and designed by architects is because you can get seven or eight 2,000 or 1,800 square foot properties mm-hmm. in the same amount of footprint as you would maybe one or two or three single family homes. And so what happens is, from what I learned in, in writing my book, you need at least 400 square feet minimum to set up a starter solar energy panels, let's say 20, 20 panels. And the roof over a 2,000 square foot townhouse typically is not going to have the required square footage for a minimum sizing. So if you're in Florida or Arizona or California, you might be able to do it because you're getting eight or 10 hours a day of sunshine. But when you're in New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, you really have to think about, is the system going to pay for itself? Mind but if I say the, something on that? Yeah, yeah, right. So so yeah. here's the thing. Um, there's different companies. They have different minimals. Ours are eight. So in eight panel systems, the minimal we will do. Oh. But the truth of the matter is, is when you ask if it's going to be worth it, well, even if you had a single panel on your house, let's just pretend, right? A yeah. single panel is going to offset your electric bill to a certain extent. And the way that everything gets broken down, whether you're going with a lease or a loan or, or you know, let's leave cash aside because most people finance. Yeah. If you're going with a lease or a loan or PPA, these are all financing options. What is going to spit out the number that comes out at the end is basically a, a price per, per watt, right? So, or mm. price per kilowatt. What I mean by that, right now in the state of Connecticut, the average being paid per kilowatt of coming into a home is somewhere upwards of 30 cents or so with all these increases coming. Uh, some places I've seen, I think right. we're as high you're as 37. Right on point. Yeah. Yep. So, well, hey, it's my first day. Hope I'm doing good. Yeah, but, but basically, um, the reason that I say this is that when a system is written fairly for a client, you're going to be looking at cutting that that uh, price per kilowatt significantly. So even if one single panel goes onto that home, and let's say the, the price per kilowatt is at 22 cents, well, you're still cutting eight cents for all of the electricity being produced by that panel. But let's go a step further and let's talk about what's the real concept when it comes to solar. So solar, a lot of people and I, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but our culture has a way of being very short sighted. So for the same reason that you purchase and you mortgage a house as opposed to rent that same house, even if they're identical, is actually the same way with solar. So let's pretend for a second solar saved you no money whatsoever. Right. If you're paying $400 on average for a uh, a rental home way back, right? You'd rather pay $400 a month or maybe even $500 if you could own that property. Well, when it comes to solar, it's, it's the same concept. So if you're paying $400 for an electricity, you're throwing that money away like a rental payment every single month. You're not getting that money back. That's how people are currently paying to your utility. But if you could pay $400, and that wouldn't be the case, but let's just pretend... If you could pay $400 for solar, 
Well, when you own the system, especially every payment that you are making is building equity in your house and it is physical, tangible equity. When it's a PPA or a lease, it's more of like, um, I'd call it uh, perceived equity, if you will. Well, it, it's, a, it's an asset that has a value and the Correct. Pearl certification actually validates that value. Correct. It's so let's pretend wow. that, again, no savings in this world, we're pretending there's no savings. Well, if you have a $50,000 system that was put onto that home, let's say 10 years from now, let's say it's depreciated, right? And let's say that system is now worth 38,000, right? I'm just making these numbers up. These are not actual well, numbers. You've, you've improved your home. Correct. And you can pull a HELOC assessing the value of that system later. Or if you go to sell that house, you can actually get a, a value from that system as long as it's you know owned you know, by you. Well, we also have the environmental aspect. Mm -hmm. We have people that want to save electricity because they want to help the planet. And they're not they're not going into the scenario thinking about how many dollars they're going to save. They're thinking about how many kilowatt hours they're going to save. Yeah, basically as opposed and to the that yeah. that is what's driving those customers to go to solar energy. But so Josh mm -hmm. I think that you've made a lot of fantastic points about the nuts and bolts, the electrical wiring and the sizing and what to expect You know, when you call the solar company and they come to your door. So if people can find you by going on www.elitesolarpros.com, yep. and if you don't have a pen, no worries, because You'll have a clickable link if you go on my website. But when this podcast is released on Spotify and Google and every place else, on the write-up in the description, you will also see Josh Keycat at EliteSolarPros.com. Um, for the record, it's uh, it's Josh.Keycat, just for the email. Um, oh, for your email. Yes, okay. Josh.Keycat at EliteSolarPros.com. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Josh dot Okay. Um, but if you want to give people your phone number, you can do that too. Sure. Yep. Go ahead um, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and heck if, if people have Instagram, they're welcome to follow along. I, uh, I mean, it's not all business-based, but it's uh J risk S O S J R I S K S O S. But oh. my phone number, if anybody would like to work with myself personally or our company, we would absolutely love to work with you. Um, again, my name is Joshua Kikak, and my phone number is 203-331-6309. 203-331-6309. You got it. Josh, you have what a background. Thank you so <laughs> yeah. much for joining us today. <laughs> Teaching us, you're you have been my first solar energy guest. So sure. I've had I've had all kinds of people on my show, you know, ResNet and uh, Pearl Certification, and I've had several guests recently that build custom log and timber homes. Sure, sure, which are very popular lately. Yeah, we've had some great shows. Yeah, yeah. If, if you ever yeah. wanted to, we could go a lot deeper with this stuff. I mean. You know, coming down to it, one of the big things that ends up happening, and I hate to say it, is that, you know, when people talk about being scammed for solar, it does happen. And I, oh, I wish I it didn't, it. but I've seen deals hundreds, like personally hundreds. 
in my career where I would consider it a scam. I mean, on a long enough timeline, yes, the utilities are going to continue to go up and it's going to offset mm. what your what your expenditure is. But if you had a rep go out to your house and again, it's not a regulated market. People might get angry at me in my industry to say that, but you want to make sure you're working with a reputable company who uses quality components and the rep is good too. You know. Okay. Thank you so much, Josh. Yeah, you got it. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you for joining us today on the Live in a Home That Pays You Back podcast. We hope you tune in again where we'll share more insider secrets so you get the absolute most out of your home. Check out Anna D. Simone's award-winning book, Live in a Home That Pays You Back. Available at Amazon and major booksellers in print, audio, and ebook. For more information, visit AnnaDeSimone.net. If you like what you heard, remember to follow Live in a Home That Pays You Back and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.